please turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 5. We are looking at verses 16 and 17, and today I want to deal with the latter half of verse 16, which is a little bit controversial, and it's not the most uplifting of verses. <laughs> uh, but we'll deal with that before we go back and look at what is at the heart of these verses, which is actually praying for Christians uh, that are having difficulty. But let's go and have a look at what he um, what he's not talking about. First John chapter five verse sixteen. Remember again, the apostle John says, "If anyone sees his brother sinning, a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask, and he that is God will give him life for those who commit sin, not leading to death." He then says, "There is sin leading to death." And he says, I do not say that he should pray about that. That's one of those ouch verses. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay. And verse 17, uh, which when we get to it, we'll look at, it is so key when he says, all unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin not leading to death. So there are things that you can do that are considered sin, but that will not lead to death. Are you all with me? Amen? All right, but, but that's for later. <laughs> um, now, remember again that, I said before that there has been some confusion about what death this is talking about. And uh, to just keep, thing, to, to keep things simple, last week I just said, let's just consider it to be spiritual death. But what I want to do today, because of where we're going, I need to amend that a little bit and add to it. Is that okay? Are you all with me? Okay. And what I'm going to say is this. As much as it is talking about spiritual death, what, we, what we're going to find out today and what I want to show you today is that that separation from God, when you uh, um, have that kind of separation, it can leave you vulnerable and also open the door to physical death. Is that a surprise? Uh, hopefully it's not. You know what I'm trying to say? Amen. You know, the, the devil is out to steal, kill, and destroy. And, you know, people say, well, why should I worship God? Just to stay safe, dude. <laughs> you know, if not, don't forget religion. You know, do you want to live? That's why, okay? Uh, and people just get caught up in, oh, I don't want all that religion. Well, do you want to live? Let's talk about that. Because if you do, then that's what we're talking about. Amen? We're not talking about religion. We're talking about something very real because Jesus said there is something out there that is very real out to steal, to kill, and destroy. And he said, I've come in total opposition to that to give you life. And the big question is, do you want life? Amen. Okay, anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself or somewhere in there. Anyway, <laughs> so let's look at this. Let me just turn the page very quickly. I don't want to do a, a, a revision. Is that okay? Can we just move forward? Because i got so much to talk about today. So let's go and look at what uh, the Apostle John means when he says there is sin leading to death. And then when he says, I do not say that he should pray about that. William McDonald, let's begin with a quote, says that they had turned their backs on the Lord Jesus and accepted a teaching which completely denied his deity and the sufficiency of his atoning work, which means the things that he did to save us from, from sin and from the power of the enemy. Amen? Remember that the enemy has power. Remember Colossians? Is it 1.13? That, that talks about, you know, we, were, we have been rescued from the kingdom of darkness, the power of darkness, and has been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. There is a power of darkness. You need to understand that that thing is very real. And that is what answers the question 
of, you know, if God is such a loving God, how come he lets these things happen? Well, he doesn't let those things happen as much as he lets you make dumb decisions. You're the one that does that. Amen? And there is a power that backs that. Amen? And the thing that, the, the, the amazing and the wonderful thing, I should say more, more than amazing, it is wonderful that we have been rescued from that power and translated into the kingdom of his dear son. And can I add, we've been given power. Amen. We, didn't, we weren't just translated and we just stayed that way powerless. We were given power. He said, I'm, he said I've got that power. I'm giving it to you now. And I don't have time to preach on that because <laughs> i got to get back to this. All right, so uh, where was I? All right, so again, uh, uh, let, let me reread this. He says again, they had turned their backs on the Lord Jesus and accepted a teaching which completely denied his deity and the sufficiency of his atoning work. A Christian cannot have liberty in praying for the restoration of such because God has already indicated in his word that they have sinned unto death. Now, we'll talk about that, okay? We'll talk about that because I know when you, this is one of those things... I know there's somebody that will jump up and, and, and I will deal with that as well. That will say, yeah, but, I, you know, shouldn't we be praying for everybody? Let's keep going. Hold that thought. Okay. Let me ask you another question. Uh, are you praying for all the people you're meant to pray for? Before you want to jump up and pray for these people? <laughs> Hello. Is it interesting how we get all objectionable about that and then we don't even do the, the thing that we're meant to do? You know, you... Just the people we're meant to pray for can keep us busy all day. Have you noticed how they get in trouble? <laughs> okay. Anyway, all right, let's get back. But this is what the devil does. You know, let me just, obviously, I need to spend a moment on this. This is what the devil does. You know, he'll take little things like this and get us objecting to those things when we're not doing the thing we're meant to be doing. Amen? So don't fall into that category. Now, that's why I've said here, now I've addressed this. I've said just in case you happen to be one of those dedicated intercessors, I, Howard Marshall, has this to say to you. While John says that, I told you I'll cover this on both sides of the fence, all right? While John says that God will certainly answer prayer for uh, the brother or sister who does not sin to death, he does not rule out the possibility of answered prayer for the person who commits sin that does lead to death. Did you hear that? Okay. Because all things are possible. Anyway, let me get to it. He says, if we have in mind any case where, to our limited view, such a prayer seems unlikely to be answered, we may recall what Jesus said when a man had refused what looked like his only chance of salvation. With men, it is impossible, but not with God. With God, all things are possible. Amen? <clears throat> so, I'm going to deal with that today. Can I do that? I'm going to do it anyway. All right. <laughs> I've said it. However, this has to be only as you are led by the Spirit. Please hear me now. This is very important. And, and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it is God's will. As was with the case with Ananias and Saul of Tarsus. I'm going to call him by his, his first name. Okay. Remember this is turned out to be the Apostle Paul. Okay. With Acts chapter 9, let's go and look at that. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 9. I'm going to be reading a fair bit in Acts chapter 9. We'll actually read all the way to verse 18, so don't take it off. <clears throat> I want to give you a case, a case study of one of these people. And why you when you should pray and 
how this all works. You know, I don't want to go any further. Let's start reading. Okay. <laughs> Acts chapter 1, uh, excuse me, Acts chapter 9, verse 1. It says, meanwhile, I'm reading from the New Living Translation because it's just so clear, okay? It, it says, meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath. You know, this guy just had it in for the church, didn't he? Every breath, okay? He was eager to destroy the Lord's followers, so he went to the high priest. I wonder how the passion would do all this, eh? Anyway, all right, <laughs> verse 2. He requested letters. This is, this is how passionate he was about this. Now, can we just agree that this man is not doing God's work? Can we agree that this man is actually doing Satan's work? Can we all agree on that? Okay. Verse 2. He requested letters addressed to the synagogue in Damascus, asking their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way. That's what they used to call Christianity, okay, the way. He found them. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. Lovely man. Okay. Verse 3. As he was nearing Damascus on this mission, a brilliant light from heaven suddenly beamed or shone down upon him. Verse 4. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Okay. <laughs> you know, when Jesus has to appear, there's something seriously wrong. Can we get an amen on that one? Okay. All right. Now, I want you to watch the sequence of events. Jesus hasn't asked anybody to pray for this man right now. But that's going to change in just a minute. All right. Verse 9. And he says, who are you, sir? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one whom you are persecuting. Wow, I want you to notice that Jesus took it personally when he attacked the body, when he attacked the church. Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? Whenever you get up and you think, oh, Lord, you don't care. You're up in heaven somewhere. I'm down here. I'm just going through all this stuff. But you don't know because you're up there and I'm down here. Remember this. Everything that happens to you happens to him. He said, if you've done it to the least one of these, you have done it to me. You know, that works in all kinds of ways. That works for us and against us something, <laughs> okay? Because we want to do some things to other Christians that, you know, and, gee, you, and you might say, well, they're just probably the, the little toe or the underside of the little toe and the body because, you know, the way they are. But if you've done it to the least one of them, you've done it to him. So we need to be careful there as well. Anyway, getting back to where it works for us. Okay. <laughs> if anybody ever attacks you, just realize that they're attacking the Lord. Amen? Okay. Let's continue. Verse 6. He says, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you are to do. Verse 7. The men with Saul stood speechless with surprise for they heard the sound of someone's voice but they saw no one. Isn't that interesting that Jesus only appeared to Saul? He didn't, they now heard his voice, but they didn't know who it was. They didn't know somebody was there except for the voice. Are you all with me? Amen. See how Jesus can hide himself when he wants to, okay? And he'll do that for you too. Anyway, getting back to this, uh, verse 8. As Saul picked himself up, uh, himself up off the ground... He found that he was blind. Verse, seven, uh, verse 9. So his companions led him by hand to Damascus. So he is that blind. He can't see anything. 
they had to lead him by his hand to where he was going. This is, this is really messing up his, his, his whole mission, isn't it? This is what God will do for you. See, can I just, can I stop for a second? Let me give you something. Do you think somebody in Damascus might have been praying? Not for Saul, but against people like that. You know, we miss this sometimes. Somebody once said, nothing happens outside of prayer. Kind of like to believe that, <laughs> okay? Because otherwise, if God could do anything anytime he wanted to, he could just take care of everything right now without us doing anything. But it seems like he always says, you pray. You know, in fact, in the Old Testament, it says that God was bringing judgment and he was hoping that there would be one person that would intercede. That would stop that judgment, that there was nobody to intercede, so the judgment had to fall. Do you know why? Because the accuser of the brethren, Satan is out to destroy it, but he can't do things outside of the, the courtroom of God, so to speak. And if you're doing dumb things, and he, you're giving him permission, so to speak, and you are not confessing your sin, 1 John 1, 9, then you open the door for him to walk in because you've got that option. You've got the option of confessing your sin. And if you're not, then it's going to keep opening doors for the devil to walk in throughout your life and just mess it up constantly. That's why I keep saying, don't do that. Don't give him opportunity. Amen? You know, we, the, the blood has paid for all of this. So anyway, getting back to this, where was I? Okay, anyway, getting back to this, you know, this is where the Christians at Damascus, I believe somebody was saying, God, I have heard that they've done all of this stuff over there. They're not going to come here. They will not make it. Now, see, they could have, sometimes we want to get involved in this. You know, they could have said, let's get some soldiers and go out there and kill anybody. <laughs> no, you know, that's why God says pray. Because what God can do, see, if they killed Paul, they would have, sell, they would have just sent somebody else. God's, God's, <laughs> God's way is so much higher than our ways. His thinking goes so far beyond what we can even imagine. His solution is this. Let's get the dude saved. <laughs> you know? I mean, let's either we'll take him out or we'll save him and spin him around and end up writing two-thirds two of the New Testament. You know what I'm trying to say? I mean, this is the way God works. So while we're thinking about kill him, Lord, he's saying, can we not kill everybody right now? Let's see what we can do first. Amen. He came to save the world. Not just for you. Amen? Including you. And everybody else you don't like. God loved the whole world. <laughs> okay? All right, so. Where was I? Okay, so getting back to this, verse 9. So I just, I simply believe, I truly believe with all my heart, somebody in Damascus was praying. This happens. Jesus intervenes. And so, verse 9, the latter half says, He remained there blind. For three days. Now watch this. This is very interesting. And all that time he went without food and water. Do you know Paul realized something significant had happened? He had met somebody that he did not know existed, obviously. Didn't realize what he was up against. Had blinded him. And he is fasting. This is as close as you can get to fasting and praying. I mean, he, he, he just... 
notice it says here, he went without food and water. You know, some people will, you know, okay, so you don't need food, but at least you drink water. You know what I'm trying to say? I mean, he did without both for three days. So watch, now he's praying. Did you get this? Okay, no longer just the people at Damascus praying. Now he's praying because obviously something has happened. Verse 10. Now I want you to realize something because of Paul's turnaround, because he realized that he was doing something wrong. Do you know he could have fought Jesus? Do you know the, the scribes and Pharisees of his time had him right there and kept fighting him and wanting to murder him? Do you know Paul could have gone that way? Can, can we just stop for a second? You know, if, if he had gone that way, that would have been the end of him. I'll show you that as well, okay? Verse 10, let's go on to verse 10. So now the, the narrative shifts, and it says now, <laughs> okay? I want you to know now comes after all this happened. Now it says there was a certain disciple at, at Damascus named Ananias. So Ananias, you know, it's kind of cool. He's doing his thing, all right? And to him, the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, mm, here I am, Lord. Okay, <laughs> he's going, what, do you have a gift for me? Okay, you know when the Lord turns up, you think, whoa, what is it, the car? No, anyway, and, and so the Lord said to him, uh, and then this is where the music changes. Da, da, da. He says, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, watch, watch he is praying. I told you he's praying now. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias. Where do you think he got the vision from? Obviously, Jesus showed him. Okay? Coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. And Ananias answered and said, wow, this is better than a car or a chariot. You know, I'm so thrilled. It's not what it says. <laughs> okay? Watch Ananias. You know, this is real, all right? Ananias says, uh, Lord... <clears throat> I have heard from many about this man. How much harm he has done your saints in Jerusalem. Did you take a wrong turn at Albuquerque? You know what? Did, did something, are you, are you sure about this? <laughs> and I'm trying to say, okay. Verse 14, he hasn't finished. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. He's, he's got the right to do this. You want me to go tell him I'm one of them? I'm not praying for him. You know all the people that he hurt? I knew some of them folk. Come on now. Can, can we just get real with this? Oh, and I was thinking, oh, he's blind? That's great. Where's my sword? <laughs> Come on now, you know. <laughs> This is a great opportunity. But I want you to notice, but the Lord said to him, go. Now notice, I told you, as you're led by the Spirit. Only as you're led by the Spirit. Because otherwise you will be like this. You'll be like, are you kidding me? Do you all know how much damage that person has done to the kingdom? I'm not going to pray for this person. <laughs> you know? But if you're led by the Spirit, that's when you do it. What is the difference? Let me say this to you right now. Why shouldn't I pray for that person so that they'll turn around, is the question. Because you don't have any authority 
over anyone's will. Did you get that? Once they change their mind, if anything opens up on the inside of them, then you can pray. If they have any doubts about maybe they're doing the wrong thing, then God will move you to start praying for them. Are you with me? See, that's the difference. When they start, when something happens on the inside, something changes, that's when you don't ask questions. You just hit the prayer. Just go for it. And you just pray and do whatever God asks you to do. Don't stand and argue for 20 minutes. You've just wasted 20 minutes of prayer time. Are you all with me? But can I say this? Because you might say, oh, but I love them. I want to pray for them. Well, waste your time if you want to because you can't change their will. A lot of people have gone into a marriage thinking that and got divorced. Hello. Not anybody here. Okay, but you know what I'm trying to say? They say, the thing is, oh, after I marry them, I'll change them. Woo, you better make sure that you do. (laughs) Okay, otherwise you're in for a miserable life. Don't do that to yourself. Can I, amen, okay. <laughs> anyway, that's a whole other thing. Let, let, let's get back to this. Where was I? Oh, yeah, all right. <laughs> so, <laughs> I want you to notice, he says now, but the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name. So, see, the moment that Paul made a decision, he started to pray, God answered. Is this interesting? In that three days, can I say in three nights? It's that interesting that Jesus went into the heart of hell three days and three nights, all right? So here is Paul for three days and three nights, not eating, not drinking. He is just praying. You know God will answer your prayers. Amen. And now God is sending somebody to him. Isn't this beautiful? All right. And he says, for he, he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Verse 16. Now I'm going to add a wor- word in here to help you out. It says, for I will show him many things he must suffer. The word there also means endure. Can we, uh, do we, can we agree that there are some things you just got to endure, man? And some of it's a little bit suffering. Okay? All right. Because we are in a fallen world. Not because Jesus says, well, I, you know what? I think you should suffer a little bit. So let's get on with it, okay? No, Jesus suffered so that we wouldn't have to. However, the same reason he suffered, which was to die for a sinful world, is the reason why you might go through some suffering because you are trying to help sinners out. And they're too dumb sometimes to realize it. Can I get amen on that? Okay, and you go through some stuff, man. It's not good. You know, it isn't a bed of roses when you get saved. The difference is you get the strength, the wisdom, the power, the anointing, angels. I could keep going. All of that stuff comes on you so that you can do what you're called to do. Amen? Hallelujah. Anyway, back to this. So he says again, I will show him many, uh, how many things he must suffer and endure for my name's sake. Verse 17, and Ananias went his way and entered his house. Now I want you to notice it's only after. So what am I saying here? This is really important. In the case of Saul of Tarsus, who's going to become Paul, the only time that Jesus led Ananias, a believer, to pray for him and to minister to him in any way, which we're going to see in a minute, was after he had prayed, after he had made a decision, after he had turned. He he would not send Ananias out there to pray for him or do anything while he was looking to kill him all off. That would have been dumb and silly. 
That's where a good thing may not be a God thing. Where, you know, if Ananias had, let, let's just change this narrative a little bit, okay? Had Ananias praying and thought, well, Saul's coming. You know what? I'm going to go pray for him. I'm going to go plead with him. He would have, he would have just shut him up and put him in jail. His job was to find them. See how sometimes we can get ahead of God as well? So be careful. Our good intentions may not be God. It would have been a good thing for Ananias to do, but a dumb thing. The God thing was, okay, was to wait for God to do his thing and then lead him to do the next thing. All right, once God prepares the way, then it's safe. Then you can go and do what you need to do. The provision is there. Are you all with me? Amen. And so it says, and Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, you know, can I just say something about Ananias? Ananias knew who this man was. Do you think he was having a bit of an issue about laying hands and getting this guy healed? Can we just be real here for a second? This is still the guy that murdered all these people and put people in prison and everything else. Remember, he's the one that killed Stephen. I know just for that, I would say, oh, no, I'm not going to pray for him. Forget about it. You know, he's blind. Let him stay that way. <laughs> no, okay, I'm just, I'm just sharing with you how our flesh thinks. I don't want to have a little circle over my head. Saint Roche. Oh, yes, I would pray for him without question. Oh, come on. <laughs> okay. Just being real. Can we be real a little bit here? Okay. Don't get all saintly. All right. So I think it is just very commendable of Ananias to go do this. Obviously, he had issues. We saw that before. Okay, and it says, and laying his hands on him. Remember, you've got to release your faith. He has got to release his faith. Nothing works outside of faith. And these signs shall follow those who believe. They lay hands on the sick. They will recover. If Ananias went in there unbelieving and thought, I don't know about this God, it would not have happened, by the way. God isn't going to violate his word. Amen? So I really need to understand something here. Ananias had to go in with all of his heart and do this. All right. That's what you need to do when somebody changes. No holdbacks. Amen? Let's keep going. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul. I love that. Brother Saul. Wasn't Saul yeah. I don't know, I can't say it on this. All right. Bad person, okay? He says, <laughs> he says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you, I, I love the way he does this. He said, The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you, you know the guy that you saw, you know, that one, the one that can blind you. Okay, by the way, okay. He says, The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came. Now, how did he know that? This is a word of prophecy. He is giving him something. Oh, this is a word of knowledge. He's giving him something so that he knows that this is a supernatural thing. How does Ananias know this? Only it happened only to Paul. But obviously, God had spoken to him. So he's establishing this, that, that fact right at the beginning that the same God that met you has now shown me what happened and has asked me to come to you. So let's continue reading. Okay, you need to see this. So he says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus appeared to you on the road uh, as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight. I love the next bit. And be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Do you know that he didn't come just to give him his sight back? He came to baptize him in the Holy Spirit. I want to use that word because people don't get it when they say what, what, goes on, what, what it goes on to say. They think, in fact, let me read it. And he says it in verse 18, immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was, everybody thinks, water baptized. What did he just say here? He said, I have come to what? So that you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember when, you know, Apostle, the Apostle Paul, in fact, when he was journeying uh, after he became the Apostle Paul, okay? And, and he came across certain disciples and they said, he said, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? They said, oh no, just under John's baptism. That's water. And the Apostle Paul said, well, that was good, but you need this. Why? Because he wasn't baptized in water. Everybody got that wrong. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. How do you know? Well, because in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 18, this is how he was able to say, I thank my God I speak in, with tongues more than you all. When do you think that began? When he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Are you all with me? So something significant happened here. Obviously, Ananias knew enough to not only see this is salvation and infilling and the whole thing all at once. He, he thought this guy better get filled with the Spirit. Others, you know, don't all know what uh, happened when he gets his eyesight back. People have, have known to change their mind. How many times have you promised the Lord? Oh, Lord, get me out of this. I promise I will do this. I will give that. I will that. And then it happens. And oh, who's what, Lord? What? Uh, you promise you, uh, this is not a good time. A little bit later, maybe. People do that stuff. Amen. <laughs> okay. So I think this was extraordinary. Then <laughs> I thought, dude, I'm not going to get you, give your eyeballs back. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. Because he'll make sure you don't, don't kill me. Yeah, amen. <laughs> okay. Listen, this is a very smart thing. So again, he says, let me just go back because I had to go forward so I could go back, okay? So going back to verse 17 again, he says that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want you to notice that that took faith as well. Do you think the Apostle Paul needed to know what the Holy Spirit was? How this worked? Because he doesn't know about everybody speaking in tongues. Because he's about to get something that is going to lead him into something that he has never, never experienced before. He has experienced religion. He hasn't experienced God like this. He has looked at God from the outside. He's never had God on the inside. Y'all with me? This is a huge thing, man. I mean, God comes on the inside. He gets a new language. The Tower of Babel thing just gets cut right out down to the knees. That's what, that's what speaking in tongues is all about. Because... You know, at the Tower of Babel, God came down and he said, well, if they can imagine, because they're united, because they're all of one language, he said, they can do anything. And he said, we need to take away that and get them all confused so that they can't do this anymore. Are you all with me? And so, at the day of Pentecost, we all got back our language. We can now speak in a language that is above this natural realm. That reunites us with God. And if we knew how to use it, reunites us with each other as well. 
See, we still haven't learned how to use tongues in all the ways that it's meant to be used. I honestly believe that there is a part of us that there are things that are beyond the language that we have. That we are able to speak it in tongues and somebody else gets the interpretation and goes, I know exactly what you're saying. And that language never gets in the way of us expressing what we're trying to get across to someone. Amen. See, we all think, you know, the gifts of the Spirit or the manifestation of the Spirit are in the church and everything. And, you know, we, we just have a little good time in church and then we go out and then there's a real world out there. Dude, that's where you need it. That's when you need prophecy and, and word of knowledge. When you're getting ripped off. <laughs> I'm trying to say, you need the Lord to be saying to you, don't do that. This is a very bad idea. Back away. Amen. And in case you mess up, there is healing, <laughs> okay, or whatever else you need. Are you all with me? All that stuff, that manifestation is meant to be out there. You practice it in here, but you use it out there. This is meant to be your training ground. This is not meant to be the, the place that you just do it, and that's the only, only time you ever do it. By the way, now I'm stepping on everybody's toes. All right, let's finish off. I've, I've run out of time anyway. <laughs> so anyway, he said that you may receive your sight be filled with the Holy Spirit, and immediately, immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. I think that's really interesting that it actually said that. Something almost physical fell off of his eyes. Do you see that? And he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. I want to stop there because I just want to leave it at that because I want to, the whole point of this is this. I've said here, notice again, that in this case, it was only after Saul repented did God lead Ananias to pray for him and minister to him. Had Saul not repented, then John's advice in 1 John 5.16 would stand. And that, that is, there is a sin leading to death. And he says, I do not say that he should pray about that. Are you all with me now? Did you get this? Hope you do. Okay. Amen. Like I said, be led by the Spirit. In, as in all things, be led by the Spirit. Your time is your life. It is precious. And there are people that, you know, you don't want to be wasting your time on something that isn't going to bear any fruit. You want to be doing the things that God has led you to because He sees the heart of all men and all women out there. He knows who is struggling. He knows those ones that might be even in the world that might have gone down a very bad path that maybe had a change of heart somewhere. Some, some light began to shine on the inside of them. And now somebody needs to pray for them. Amen? Because their journey now, getting out, requires your prayer. Otherwise, the devil will take them out. Because he knows what a danger they're going to be now. Are you all with me? That's when you pray. That's when you start holding him up. That's when you start going into warfare and everything else. And can I say that's in addition to praying your normal prayers? Okay, don't let the only prayers you pray be warfare prayers. You know, people need help every day with things. And while you're spending three hours warfaring somebody, you know, if you took five minutes and prayed for them, they would have had a really wonderful day. Five minutes, okay? Maybe less, maybe two minutes. I don't know, how, many, how, how long does it take you to, yeah, I don't care. Anyway, you know what I'm trying to say, amen? <laughs> All right? Hallelujah. Are we good to stop there for today? Okay, let's do that. Because when we come back, we will look at verse 16 
and then talk about the sinning Christian and how we are to pray, because that's what this is all about, in fact. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you, Father, for all the things that we're learning about how to pray according to your will, because that's where all this began, that our confidence that you hear us and answer prayer is all based on the fact that we pray according to your will in verses 14 and 15. So we just thank you, Father, that as you are beginning to reveal your will to us, as we begin to see the finer points of how all of this works, then we can pray more accurately and have greater results because we know that we are praying according to your will. We're not opposing you in any way. We're not wasting time doing something that is against your word. Hallelujah. That's why we can have confidence of having every single prayer answered. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen.